Time now for the, the live wire, wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Live wire connect. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west, the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. All right. Let's get back into the Clown David show. Tepper drama from <laughs> over the weekend down in Jacksonville. Many people had things to say on the matter, including former NFL corner Richard Sherman, who said that this is not correctable, and this has always been who the Panthers owner has been. The situation of him throwing uh, a drink on somebody, I mean, it it, it's, it it seems like it's right on course with, with who he has been in a lot of these situations. He, he feels like he's above the law. He feels like, hey, I'm a billionaire. I can do as I please. And there will not be any retribution. There will not be any consequence. I can I can go buy my my old boss's house and tear it down and build a, a bigger house. I can do things and be rude, and there will not be any consequences. And in this case, I, I would assume he's right, Skip. He's yeah. right. There's not going to be a lot of consequence Probably because not. financial yeah. is not going to do it for him. You you, you find a man five hundred thousand dollars, he'll laugh. You know, a million dollars, he'll laugh. It won't it won't affect his bottom line in the least. So it won't change behavior, even if you, what you going to do, ban him from a game, suspend him from a couple games. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want to go to those games. I'm sure he's throwing drinks at people at the game. So Correct. I just don't know what you do to correct this behavior because they're in a position where it's not correctable and it's, it's habit and it's not changing. Walker, do you agree with Sherm that this is not a correctable act from Dave Tepper and no form of punishment will... Correct the way he behaves at games. Anytime we try to figure out a punishment or, you know, making somebody accountable, you can go as extreme as you want to, right? Okay, well, let's just find him two and a half million dollars. Actually, let's find him two hundred and fifty million dollars. Actually, let's find him a billion. Okay, let's suspend him for a month. Let's suspend him for an off season. There there are ways to where you can just go so far off of the spectrum that it probably doesn't make sense anymore. And I think one of those is forcing him to sell the team. Because to me, that would be too extreme, even for something as dumb as what David Tepper did. Nobody's going to force him to sell the team after the Duvall drink toss. But what I will tell you is that this is a very similar takeaway that I had watching Tepper throw that drink and then try to think about what a punishment would look like and whether that was actually going to alter David Tepper's decision-making process going forward. We haven't seen any evidence as to him learning from his mistakes. So why do I think that's going to happen now? And here's Albert Breer bringing another good point. We haven't heard anything from David Tepper yet. Here we are at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, a couple days after the event took place. Still nothing from David Tepper. Still really nothing from the NFL. And Albert Breer says, okay, some will say Tepper saying something won't do any good. And that's true. But Breer also says, here's the thing about that. Media access for the week for NFL teams starts tomorrow. So at that point, if Tepper hasn't answered for what it looked like he did, players and coaches he employs will have to and that's a crappy situation yep. because of course so now it's david tepper not taking accountability he's not going to step up at, if he's only going to take questions for 10 minutes barely after firing the coach in season then what makes you think he's going to hold any kind of availability or even release a statement within time for before the coaches actually have to take some of these questions so yeah i think that was a great point from albert breer as well yeah, I agreed with Richard Thurman uh, wholeheartedly as far as what it looked like, what it said, as far as the actions that were taken. 
And it said to me, yes, I'm rich. I can do what I want to do. I'll do things that the average person can. And even if I do get a punishment, it's not going to really matter. Because at the end of the day, as I said, you know going to the game. You are the owner of the Carolina Panthers. You know you are on enemy turf. You know that you have the windows open. And that fans, especially that are, and I'm not saying that the man who said something was drinking, but we know that that happens at these games too. And that's going to lower inhibitions. And fans are going to say things that they normally wouldn't to people, including David Tepper. He's not immune to that. That's what happens when you don't insulate yourself during the game. And so for him to walk in there knowing all of that, and still, did, did you really think the Panthers, I, I know you go into the game thinking that they will win, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you still have a 2-15 and 15 or 2-14 and 14 football team. So you know that there is a low probability that you win this game and you're going to need to be ready for comments. And yet, and still, he allowed a person to get to him, even if they said something personal. He allowed them to get to him enough to make him to act out in a way. And I truly don't think he thought that he was going to get caught. But cameras now, people's phones are the eye in the sky. They always say in football, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. The eye on these cameras don't lie. How many people now lose jobs, lose everything because they decided to have a bad moment in the public eye and there were plenty of people around them with a phone? You can't do much of anything in a public setting, especially in an NFL game, to where you're not going to get caught by cameras. And I guess David Tepper, for some reason, thought that nobody was going to catch him doing what he did, but they did. And so uh, hopefully this is a, a moment of him for him to learn, but I don't think you will. And the last thing I'll say is that you definitely brought up another factor into this. How many guys will he look at as players and say, I don't want to bring that guy in because he's a distraction? Or when a player does something to a team, oh, that's a distraction. Well, now he has become the number one distraction for this team Thanks a lot, because nobody's going to be asking the players about the game with the Buccaneers this week. They'll ask a little bit, but the main topic of conversation until they put the pads on on Sunday is going to be about their own. I like what is being a part of Tepper's thought process to bring new talent or whether it comes down to a personnel decision that he's clearly meddling in. He's like, well, now this town only has room for one distraction. That's right. Can't bring any more because I'm going to do that. So what am I going to do? Bring in another player that might be a distraction. Please, man, he can't be on this football team. That's my title. Yesterday afternoon at the Rose Bowl, Michigan got by Alabama to advance to their first national championship game of the playoff era. And after the game, Jim Harbaugh made it known. Him and his program, they don't care about the outside noise. You know, it's just the way this team is built um, and the way how connected they are as as players and, and we are as a team, it's it's unanimous support for each and every guy. And uh, you know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that that uh, you know that the team has gone through. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about uh, um, anything that comes up. We just know we're going to overcome it because uh, it's un- unanimous support from uh, every single guy on the team. Wes, did you find yourself cheering for Harbaugh at all during yesterday's game, or was your rooting just because you didn't want to see Bama in yet another national title game? No, I've always liked Harbaugh. And as I said, uh, growing up, my my uncle was a Michigan fan all of his life. So I've always rooted for them because I wanted him to, you know, be happy and for Michigan to get dubbed. And so in this spot, especially, yeah, the SEC hate came into an effect. 
Uh, me wanting to see Alabama lose came into an effect, even though I picked them to win this game and picked them to win the whole thing, frankly, because I thought they were so hot and so confident after beating Georgia. But, yes, I definitely wanted Michigan uh, to win this football game. I don't necessarily buy that they don't hear the noise and all that. I think that's massive cap because uh, you could see some of the nerves of some of the players with some of the mistakes that were made. And also, if they would have lost to Alabama again, that would have been damaging and you would have been able to read it on the body language of the players because they know what our favorite term, the narrative is with Michigan is that when they play the SEC teams or whatever the case may be, they don't fare as well, especially against Alabama. And so the players would have been very upset with themselves for losing yet again to the Crimson Tide. Well, what's also funny about this specific, we don't care about the outside noise, because clearly anybody who says it, I'm going to look at you with an eyebrow raise. Yes, I'm sure that you heard all of this before, but we know they heard about it because the interim head coach was sitting there bawling his eyes out after the first win. You're meaning to tell me that you were just bawling because (laughs) you didn't hear anything and it was just your internal feelings, not having heard all the other adversity? Like, no, we, we heard what all that meant to you because you were sobbing in front of the camera. So Michigan clearly had all of this uh, at the forefront. We've seen players respond to what is the quote-unquote outside noise. But it's fine. It worked for them. And here they are in a championship where Jim Harbaugh is going to have that chance to win a college football championship after not being able to beat Ohio State for consecutive years and having the conversation about whether he should be fired for not beating the rival plenty of years in a row finally getting over that hump, now having a winning streak over his rival himself, fixing the quarterback issue, because that was always the thing that held them back. Do you have enough of a star at QB in order to bring you to the promised land? Well, now here's McCarthy, who's clearly very good. The the defense is still very good. The running game is still a real problem, and it might all end up in a championship over Washington. And we got the two undefeated teams facing off against one another. Excited to see what's in store. He's the GOAT, according to Harbaugh. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, earlier in the campus corner, we were trying to dissect what went wrong on the final play for Alabama. Well, right here, Nick Saban will tell you what happened. Coach Saban, could you talk about the last play and what made that one the best one that, that you wanted to go with? Uh, we called three plays. Um, one they called timeout, one we called timeout, and the last one that didn't work. So the fact that it didn't work made it a really bad call. You know what I mean? So, um, but we called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, they must have known it. Um, but Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do uh, was have a quarterback run, uh, which was kind of our two-point play, one of our two-point plays for this game. And the ball was on the three-yard line, which is just like a two-point play. So. But we didn't get it blocked, so it didn't work. We didn't execute it very well, and it didn't work. And they pressured, and we thought they would pressure, uh, but we thought we could gap them and block, block them and make it work, and it didn't. Walker, was this a scenario where coaches maybe just overthought it because there were back-to-back timeouts, and you should have just stuck with your original play call? No, I don't think it was overthinking. In fact, if anything, I'm not accusing them of this, but if anything, it's underthinking it. It's just thinking that, okay, Jalen Milrow is an athlete at QB. It's a three-yard situation. You heard him talk about how that was a two-point play call. It's the same type of position on the field, close to the goal line. Got to have it 
and let's just give it to Jalen Milrow. But he also told you sometimes you can have a right play call, even if you don't have the right execution. The snap was low. It's at his feet. So now you're not comfortable immediately having received the snap if you're Milrow. They didn't get it blocked. And so when they bring pressure and you still don't get it blocked and you have a low snap, it's going to be really hard to be successful on that play. And sure enough, they get stopped and Michigan goes on to win the football game. Yeah. uh, As I said, I didn't have a ton of issue with Alabama's play call because I have a quarterback that is as dynamic as Jalen Milrow is. And I have an offensive line that has been one of the most dominant uh, in college football for quite some time. So I don't uh, disagree with what they did. I just wish they would have given Jalen Milrow another option on the play as well. Like just a simple RPO. I would have been okay with that because I just want my quarterback to have something. If part A fails, I want him to have a plan B that he could possibly fall back on. We all knew the Orange Bowl was going to be bad, and it was going to be a bloodbath. I don't think we thought it was going to be 63-3. to And after the game, Kirby Smart said, something needs to be fixed because, well, that was unfair. People need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. And everybody can say it's their fault and it's their own problem, all right? And everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all that. But college football has got to decide what they want. And I know things are changing. And I think things are going to change next year. And you know what? There's going to still be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it. Because it's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal. And it affected the game 100%. Wes, I know we said no foul line in the first segment of the show. I know you've got words for Florida State. If I need to cue it, you just let me know. Well, I would love to cue it. I know we're right up against the break, or do we have the time? What should we, you know, what, what do we have going here? Because I do have uh, thoughts and feelings. Don't right, look at this go. to see whether this is a flagrant. <laughs> mm, I'll scary. make it quick. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. <laughs> you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? He's <laughs> already dead. Oh, FSU came into this bowl game and your quarterback Brock Glenn talked about how you guys should be crowned national champions if you win this game over the Georgia Bulldogs. And everybody after the game, after that 63-3 drubbing you took, talked about culture with FSU. Then nobody's going to sit here and feel bad for your players when you had all of the opt-outs that you did. Nobody's feeling bad for that because all we heard after you were left out was how you guys got done dirty and you're writing letters to Congress and what an egregious situation that was. And instead of them having the football character to say, you know what? We're going to go out on our swords. We're going to go out here and play for the school. We're going to finish with one of the few undefeated seasons that we have ever had, and we're going to do it at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs and come out and show you that we are indeed one of the nation's best teams. But you didn't do that. Everybody wanted to go to the NFL. 
Then you've got guys that are going in and coming out at halftime in street clothes after playing the first half. I said, what the hell is this? These guys are acting like they're the first 20 picks of the draft, and all of them are going in the first round. Sorry, some of you guys are going to be undrafted free agents. Some of you are going to be late-round picks that's going to struggle to make the team. So I don't really get how you don't see an opportunity against the Georgia Bulldogs to come out and prove yourself is going to help you. And, oh, yeah, when Georgia put their backups in the game, they were still beating the brakes off of you. Gunnar Stockton comes in and throws a couple of touchdown passes. They had multiple running backs over five yards per carry. So, sorry, Florida State. Yes, your team did quit. It does show a lack of culture when you want to go through straight transfer portal, not developing homegrown guys. And then when it comes down to it, everybody showed what time it was as far as football character goes. People can say what they want about, yeah, I get the players protecting themselves. It's bull crap. I can't stand it. You should have come out there and tried to secure that undefeated season for your school. Then you could have had your campaign. You could have hung your banners and had your T-shirts. At the end of the day, FSU just needs to shut the hell up and sit down and take that L. And know after what happened to Alabama, it was not poetic justice because you wouldn't have fared as well. All right. So that, yeah, we, we did go to the foul line, not against David Tepper, but against FSU as, you know, the, the meme with the Simpsons saying, stop, stop, he's already dead. That's exactly what just happened to Florida State, and Wes decided to go in and kick a dead body. That'll do it for the Live Wire with Fiddy.